Hi, I'm Miranda. And I'm Stephanie. We've been friends for more than 15 years. I live in Ottawa. And I live in Winnipeg. I'm raising two girls. And I'm raising two boys. We're both wives and working moms who do our best to make it all work and to enjoy our empowered lives. We think feminism is still a work in progress in our homes, our workplaces, and our politics. And we love to learn, especially from other women. So we started Women Don't Do That to talk about issues women care about today and to inspire us to do whatever it is we think we can't do. Colonel Menon Aslin enrolled in the Canadian Armed Forces in 1988 with the Naval Reserve. She has served in various Naval Reserve units prior to joining the regular force. She has served in many different parts of the Navy and on many different tours, including the Adriatic Sea under the NATO umbrella, as well as an exchange with the Royal New Zealand Navy. She left the Navy Reserve as a master seaman. She obtained her commission in June of 1998 Following her transfer, she served with three health services operational training unit, Halifax. She held a number of positions in this role. From September 2012 to July 2013, she was deployed as acting lieutenant colonel with the NATO training mission in Afghanistan, Operation Attention. Promoted to the rank of lieutenant colonel in 2014, she returned to Canadian Forces Health Services Headquarters, Ottawa. She's currently commander of four health services group. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. So thank you so much for being here. I wanted to give people the context that um, we're releasing this interview on Remembrance Day. And so I thought it was fitting to interview somebody who spent time in the military. Um, I also, as I was reading through your intro, it reminded me one of my grandfathers had served in the Navy during World War II in Halifax as well. So yeah, interesting little piece of advice there. I want to kick the interview off by asking you, what motivates you to live your best life? I, I, I view life as a, like a road trip. I, I always did that. Uh, you never know what exit you're going to have in, in front of you. And you don't hesitate. You take it. If it was not the right exit, well, you continue and you take the next one. I often that uh, the, the the best place you've visited is on a road trip. You don't expect what you're, you're going to find. And I find that for me in my life, I never thought I was going to have a career in the military, never in a million years. And now here I am uh, almost 30 years later, and I still enjoy every moment of it. So, and, and throughout my career, I took some exit sometimes. <laughs> and, and, and not only in my career, but in my personal life as well. So for me, it's, I view it as like a road trip. I love that analogy. I haven't heard somebody explain it like that before, and I think it's really helpful. Thank you. I was going to ask you about what made you want to start a career in the Canadian Armed Forces and hearing what you said, um, you weren't really looking to have that happen. So can you talk about how you ended up maybe working there? (laughs) It's uh, circumstances. Uh, I was 18. Uh, Yeah, I was 18. And I didn't have a summer job that that summer and uh back then in 88 uh summer jobs were very few mm-hmm. and uh i wanted to do something different i wanted to learn english because back then i could not speak a word so i thought well let's see what i can do to to advance and to do and there was a, a an announcement at the CEGEP 
that uh, they were looking for people to join the Naval Reserve. And I said, well, okay. First of all, I didn't know what the Naval Reserve was doing. <laughs> and after I looked it up and uh, this is how I started, really, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's cool, uh, new challenges. And I-, I needed a job, a summer job back then. It is interesting how certain opportunities like fall into your lap and the lessons you learn from growing through those experiences. So in Quebec, in Canada, we have SAGEP. Can you explain maybe what that is for people who don't know? Yes. So for, for uh, most Canadians, uh, after you finish high school, you, you begin with university right away and your university program will be four years. For us, university program are three years, but after high school, you do a two years at the CEGEP if you're going to continue to university and you do two years of CEGEP and you start your program three years in, in university. Or you can go to CEGEP and do uh, things like you would do in, in a college uh, in, in, uh, in, in Canada. So it's a bit of a, a middle uh, between university and high school. Mm-hmm. And it, do people ever go to CEGEP and then go to college or does that replace... It replaced college. <clears throat> okay. And we actually have a lot of American listeners. So here in the States, what they call a lot of colleges, we actually call universities. So our systems are a little bit different just for context for those of you on the line. When you were talking about summer jobs, it was making me think about um, one summer I worked at the Connaught rifle range. It might have been two yes. summers. Pulling targets down and marking them. <laughs> and uh, like we lived on in this I don't like I don't know this big room where we all slept together on these cots and it was quite the experience and I am very short and it was so funny I'd have to have a melt crate and stand on it and then I'd jump to to catch the target and my weight would pull it down so it was very entertaining it was so funny recently we got a BB gun and my kids were shooting the target and they said, oh, I don't think it hit. And I ran up and looked and I saw the hole and I said, oh, my old experience of like finding where you hit the target is coming back. So never know. <laughs> funny uh, story about uh, doing that. I'm also short. So for me as well to, to, to pull down the target is very difficult. It's a bit of a challenge. And uh, sometimes we have, we call them the, the, um, the fairies that uh, when you're in a, a target and you've got a people checking your target, Sometimes you're not that good, and the fairy down that the that that pulls down the the target is kind of generous on the uh, on the target. So <laughs> oh, that's funny. So can you the fairies? <laughs> so we know how you started in terms of getting involved with the military. Can you talk a little bit more about your career path and moving up through the ranks as you have? When I was reading your bio, there was lots of things in there that I don't even really know what that means. So if you can speak to that a little bit, that would be great. I. All right. I, like I said, I started with the Naval Reserve, which is a part-time uh, summer employment. And you've got your, throughout the year, you can pay university and you, you it's the reserve. Uh, so you can join the Army Reserve, the Naval Reserve, or the Air Force Reserve. For me, it was the Naval Reserve. It was a great, uh, <clears throat> a great way to make a bit of money throughout the year and have a, a summer employment uh, guaranteed. So when I first uh, started, I was, a, I was a cook, actually. I was a cook and I was uh, going on different vessels uh, over the summer and uh, doing various courses. So after I did my exchange with the New Zealand Navy, I realized that I really like what I'm doing. I I like the military. I like the the family aspect of it because we're like a big family. 
-hmm. And uh, for me, it was, uh, it was a life that I, I kind of embraced. And it was just, uh, it was just, okay, I'm going to do this. Even if I was not going to do that, uh, I never thought I was going to do that. So after I did a few years and after I did my exchange with the New Zealand Navy, I looked to, to join the regular forces. And this is when I took the, uh, I changed the, uh, my trade to healthcare administrator. So to go, uh, really, it's, uh, it, it's uh, something that I early thought would fit me well uh, to work in the health services. So I started as healthcare administrator and moved up through the ranks, um, went through different units in Quebec, in Atlantic, Canada, uh, in Ottawa, and back in Montreal now. And uh, yes, yeah, so this is a bit of, a, in, in, a, in a short version, my my career path with deployments is in there as well. What is the role of a healthcare administrator? There's two ways, and right now I'm in the health services operations. It's a bit of a segue when you grow up in the rank, you, you change from healthcare minister to health services operations officer. Um, your healthcare minister, if, if you take a, a clinic, we'll do, um, we'll be the manager of a clinic where we take care of the logistics, the finance. So you're, you're your administrator. Uh, of a healthcare setting. We also are, um, we do operations plan uh, and deployment, uh, everything related to health services, of course. So planning uh, operations, the uh, health services support and operations. Oh, very interesting. What was it like when you first started? Did you feel like as a woman, you were welcomed and respected? And I'm going to go back to 1988. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, back in 1988, I must say it was a, a bit uh, difficult, uh, especially if you were in non-traditional roles where uh, you were on board the ship. Uh, and I worked with the submarines squadron. That back then was a bit more difficult. You had to play a bit of a hellbowl room. So you had to make <laughs> your, 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 your place. Uh, and uh, as a woman, it was a bit more difficult. Um, but as we were uh, we're far more advanced now in, in, in terms of accepting uh, women in all trades uh, in the Canadian Armed Forces and in all elements. So now it's, it's, um, it's not the same challenges that it was back then, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing you talk about some of the changes that have been made and how things are a little bit different nowadays. And you know, listening to the news in Canada, you often hear criticism of CAF, the Canadian Armed Forces, or policing Canada in regards to gender equality or sexual harassment. Um, what are some of the meaningful changes that you've seen over time? The, we'll start with the, um, a few years ago, I, I remember, uh, I remember the uh, McLean's uh, articles uh, with regards to uh, sexual harassment in the forces. Uh, there was a initiatives uh, with Operation Honor, where we, we really took a good look at ourselves, say, okay, what do we do bad? And what can we do to make sure that we have the right, um, that we listen to people correctly and we, we're, we take that seriously because it was um, really a, a, an awakening mm. and, and a wake up call for all the, the member of the Canadian Armed Forces. We still have ways to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's uh, true all the, every, uh, in industry, society in Canada, but we have tremendous, uh, we have made tremendous uh, efforts and I believe it shows. In the last couple of months, I believe there was um, 
an announcement about some of the changes to the Navy in terms of gender neutral changes. And it, it's so interesting because as an outsider, you know, when you're, you're not part of different sectors, I, I would have never known that um, the way things were labeled before and how they've changed because you were a seaman, but that's been renamed now, right? It has, it has. And way, way back when, we also had the acronym REN aside your rank, uh, just to signify you're a woman. So it, it has changed uh, tremendously. And I'm so happy that uh, we, we can see that. Uh, we see that it, it's, it's good. It's, it's good changes. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. It's always interesting to learn how things have changed over time. We often think about how there's lots of room to grow, but to look back and think about how far we've come is encouraging. We have come a long way, I can tell you. From my personal perspective, uh, we have come a long way. In terms of families, like people who are listening who might have families but are interested in the military or thinking about their kids' careers, is that a, a challenging career to have if you do have children? I, I've got, I have children. I have one daughter. And I was a single mom for uh, over 10 years. And I, I was able to make it through because what I was saying a bit earlier, the Canadian Armed Forces is like a big family. Mm-hmm. Um, people help me. Uh, we, all, we always say this, this uh, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, my village was the Canadian Armed Forces and my friend in the Canadian Armed Forces. They, they really came through. Mm-hmm. I have friends that, uh, because I deployed, took care of my daughter. Uh, well, she was old enough, but still, I knew I could count on them. So do not hesitate. Even if you have kids, there are programs right now that help you. Uh, through that, we've got uh, uh, child care uh, uh, allowances that if you're deploying last minute, that can be uh, helpful. And we have the Family Resource Center that can also help. So there are some programs uh, that help. And uh, like I said, the best, the best thing was the, the, <laughs> the family that you got with the Canadian Forces because I was never close to my family. So I could not count on my family support. Uh, mm-hmm. They were my family support. I can see that in like living proof proof in some of my friends who are in the military and just even their social media networks or, you know, they'll post on Facebook, they're being posted and and other people in the military would comment underneath and saying, we're being moved too, or can we help you? And and it is a really neat community. And even just from watching from the outside, you can see how they rally around and support people. Do you think there's still like major initiatives that need to happen in terms of making it a more appealing career path for women? Do you think there's work we need to do on that side of it? I think that we, we don't, uh, and uh, there's misconception about the Canadian forces that mm. it's, uh, that it's not a place for women to be in. And I think we need to brand that a bit more, uh, to, to, not to sell, but to, to make it more understanding from people that no, it's not, it's the same thing than any other career path. Okay, there's a few differences. You might move across Canada, you might deploy, but that brings the challenge uh, and, and fun stuff as well. So I think we're not doing that. We don't sell it well. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting what you said about misconceptions. And I think actually a lot of the women that we talk to, there tends to be those misconceptions about their career. So I think that's really helpful for people to think about. What would you say to a woman who maybe says, I have no interest in joining the military, if you're talking to them about career uh, opportunities, what would you say to somebody who said that to you? 
it's okay. It, it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, some people just is, don't like the, the idea of, uh, of, of the uh, uniform, the life in uniform. And it's okay because it's everybody's own choice. And you have to make it. It's like what I was telling you a bit earlier about the road trip. You never know. You never know what to expect. And it, it might not be the exit for you to take on your road trip. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about respect as well. It's, it's the same thing if you choose a career that uh, might not appeal to me. It's all about respect and, and, and it's respecting the, uh, everybody's choices. I like what you said about respect there. I think that's really important. You have participated in missions abroad. What lessons have those experiences taught you? And I'm wondering if you can speak about those lessons from a professional experience and then also a personal experience. You cannot bring, especially the, the mission I did was uh, mentoring uh, Afghan officers. You cannot bring your upbringing and your culture elsewhere. Mm. And it is also true if you, you change from one company to another, you cannot bring that culture, which you have to, to again, respect and realize that there are differences and it's okay as well. And it's not uh, because uh, the Afghan um, woman or, or, or men are acting a, a certain way that it's not okay because you cannot compare that to yourself. So it was on a professional side and on a personal side for me, uh, the deployment that I did, it was an opportunity for me to grow uh, as a mom <laughs> and as a woman. As a mom first, because I was very, uh, I would cover my daughter a bit, to, uh, quite a bit. And, and when I deployed, I was like, okay, well, it was good for her and it was good for me because she gained some independency and, and I knew I could trust her. So, <laughs> so for me on personal level, it was, uh, it was good. It was good for me and for her as well. Well, interesting. I really appreciate what you said about the gaining independence. It's something that I've been struggling with through COVID because um, my kids are constantly trying to push the boundaries on that right now, I think in a different way than they would be without COVID. And at the same time, you become worn down where, you know, when they say, can I walk to so-and-so's house? Part of me just wants to be like, I don't care, do whatever you want. <laughs> Not really, but like partially. Um, and also, I, I also identify with what you were saying about being in Afghanistan. I've never been to Afghanistan, but I actually did my undergrad thesis on it. And uh, I remember thinking about, you know, the champions of women's rights that Canada was doing in other countries and how in countries like Canada, it took so long to get to the place where women could vote and women could do different things. And then at the same time, we really wanted to institute those changes into another country, but you can't just snap your fingers and like change culture. And um, that was something that really resonated with me about, you know, the West trying to, um, you know, impose that so quickly in a place where it wasn't happening organically the same way. No, exactly. Culture is it's, it's at the bottom of the lake and to go through the bottom of the lake, you need to go through all kinds of layers before you can reach that. And it's not something you change. And we talked earlier about what has changed in the armed forces. Well, it took years to change that. It, it took years to change that mentality. And it's, it's all about changing culture is very difficult. Change is difficult, but changing a culture, it, it doesn't do, uh, you don't do that overnight. No, that's for sure. Can you share 
a story from your experience that you believe is important for others to hear from your time abroad? Yes. Um, when I, I talk about you have to adapt, um, I, I was mentoring uh, an Afghan of, uh, officer, Colonel, and uh, very, uh, we're considered as the third gender. We're not a man, we're not a woman, we're something like a Western uh, woman and, and European woman, we're like a third gender. We, we were accepted, and, uh, but it was uh, difficult. If, if I would go and mentor an Afghan officer, uh, and having a man in the room with me as my guardian angel, we call the guardian angel, the person that is there to defend you if something happened. And I had my translator as well, that was a man. So the, the Afghan officer I was supposed to interact with was not uh, talking to me. So I had to adapt and I, I took a female guardian angel and a female translator. And uh, we had that, we developed that relation. I, he, he had kind of no choice to talk to me. And we had a great relation based after that, that uh, I think, I don't know, I, I, I think that we have made a, a bit of a lid way on uh, changing things. So it was, uh, it, it was good. It, we, we developed a good relation uh, over the uh, 11 months I was there. Wow, that's really interesting. So did you mean that because you were in the military and your position that, that they would see that as different than if you were just like a woman on the street in terms of a different gender. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's, um, that's very interesting. Yes. That's really impactful. Is, is there other things about being abroad that were really impactful to you as well? The 11 month away. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the, the entire deployment was, it was, um, I would go back uh, and I would do it again. Uh, and it's something that uh, when you say that to uh, someone that has no, uh, no military uh, background or experience, well, why would you do that? Why would you go away from your family? Because this is what you're trained for and this is what you want to do. And mm -hmm. regardless of how hard it is, it's, uh, that's the way we, we are uh, made of. <laughs> Yes, it's like, um, it's a vocation, right? Like, don't do those jobs. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. not for everyone, not everyone, that, that, but it's, it's a choice and uh, when you're in it. Uh, and it's difficult, but uh, rewarding as well. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, even in Canada, the last couple of years, just with COVID, seeing military members supporting there and bad floodings other times and having military members supporting there, I think people are being able to see and maybe appreciate more some of the different types of roles and how important the military can be in supporting people abroad, but also domestically as well. Since we're releasing this on Remembrance Day, I wanted to know what Remembrance Day meant to you. It is always an emotional uh, day. Uh, I've lost friends uh, in deployments, and uh, it, you 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 remember the ones that you've lost, uh, and you remember their family. They're they're there, and and it's it's has an impact in every member of the Canadian Armed Forces. I do uh, every uh, every November eleven. Uh, I. It's always with emotion that I live that day. It's mm -hmm. and my 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 spouse he knows that that day is so important. And he he had no military experience, and I, I brought him into that. And now he's for him as well. Is is, is November 11 is uh, is something really important in our lives. So it's 
to remember those that have lost their lives and those that are still uh, are here and, and are living through difficult times. So it's, you have to remember those as well. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Before we jump into some of the final questions, I want to ask you what COVID life is like for you right now. Well, you have to understand that uh, as a commander for health services group, we have uh, force generated forces to go and deploy in the uh, long-term care facility and the CHSLD in Quebec. We have, uh, well, health services group has uh, generated 800 health services personnel. This is the biggest deployment of health services personnel since the World War II. So for us, is, there was that challenge uh, in the first wave. And now in the second wave, we, have, uh, we, we do see our clinics uh, across that uh, Canada living through the daily uh, reality COVID is. Uh, so from professional um, side, uh, I'm very conscious of my units uh, that are having some difficult times coping with the, uh, the pressure that is putting on our services. And on a personal side, of course, not seeing my parents um they're elderly so I'm, I'm making sure that i'm not close to them and not uh, not seeing my daughter and not seeing our family is very difficult um it makes for interesting times uh, hopefully christmas will be better but uh on a personal life let's just say that our our little cocoon is is getting it's getting cozy and yeah. uh, and it's uh yes it's on a personal side it's it's more of that, the, the fact that we don't see our family. Right. I think it's what difficult. you said about sharing with the Canadian forces being in long-term care homes. So for some of the listeners who maybe aren't as aware or don't live in Canada, um, advocating for change in long-term cares and support for seniors um, has been called for for a long time. And now that COVID is here, you can see the exacerbated effects of a system that really needed some change and the military has really stepped in as you said and and tried to be helpful and in, in Canada in particular I think COVID has um, affected and is killing our seniors at a much higher rate than other rates of the population so it's a really important job um, that they're doing uh, so thank you for the work that you're doing and for for sharing some of that experience with us. Before we close off to ask, there's a, some questions we like to ask every guest. Is there anything else that you would like to share about your experience in the military or, or um, as a woman walking through the experience that we haven't touched on? Um, th there's one thing that, uh, that stuck to me since I joined, well, not, no, since I, I changed from a, 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 a non-commissioning member to an officer, when I got uh, promoted to uh, the officer rank, the uh, surgeon major told me, never forget where you come from. Mm. And I never did. And this is something that has stuck by me throughout my entire career. I never forget where I come from, regardless it is from my own town in Quebec uh, that, or from my own beginnings in the Canadian Armed Forces. This for me was very, very important. Mm. I think that's Really interesting and really helpful advice. I think too, when you look back to your upbringing, like you were talking about earlier in terms of culture, you can really see how that upbringing has impacted your life or your perspective, how you see the world, um, even accepting how other people see the world. So it's it's really interesting to think about and really does shape as I come from um, a small rural community and now I live in the city. And so some of those realities are so stark stark to me and I've gotten used to things um, but I, I imagine like people in this city 
sometimes not even realizing what life is like there and vice versa. And um, I remember as a student one day, I had parked my car, like, I guess, backwards in front of our house. And my neighbor came out and was like, you got to take it on your car. And I was like, oh, she's like, you, you can't park on the wrong side of the road like that. And I was like, oh, like I had no idea because I lived in a rural community, literally down a dirt road where you can park anywhere. <laughs> so um, rules like that did not exist. So she was kind of honestly quite rude to me and, and making me feel stupid. And uh, I can't, I just, she probably also couldn't imagine that I possibly couldn't know that. Right. So um, just little things like that sometimes that, that surprise you. Yeah. No, exactly. And and again, the same thing for me. Uh, and oh, anecdote. Like I said, I, I'm coming from I'm come from a small community, French community, where I could not speak a word of English back mm -hmm. then. And uh, my first summer in Halifax, I hit a whole lot of same thing because I could not say <laughs> what was in front of me. So. <laughs> The person in front of me, I hate the same thing that he was eating. So yeah, I just couldn't say it. So. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love that you get lots of Franklish in Canada where people speak a little bit of both, right? Or, uh, you know, if you're English, you might speak a bit of French and, and vice versa, but we figure it out somehow to, uh, to make it we happen. Do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Oh, I'll tell you a quick funny story before we close off on those questions. My kids and I ran into a woman this summer, an older woman, um, we live in a very French part of Ottawa and she was lost and she was only spoke French and I speak Franklish. So I, I finally figured out she was lost and, and I asked her, she wanted to drive home and she said, yes. So it was COVID. So it was not ideal, but we obviously had to help her. So I got her in my car and we were driving her home. And when she left the car, um, I said, uh, she, she asked me, I guess in French, she said, um, how can I ever repay you? Which I didn't understand. And I said something like, don't worry, there's no way you could or like something. And my daughter afterwards was just like, mom, what you just said was really offensive. <laughs> I, was like, I had no idea. I thought I was doing, here I am, was patting myself on my back, but that's why it's good to have your kids in French immersion or French school because they can back you up. Oh, lots of entertaining stories. I want to ask you our final questions. The first one is, what is the best rule you ever broke? Well, like I said, never forget where you come from. Mm. I, I don't break that rule. It's, uh, it, it's something that will, uh, that, that brings me back. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Centers you. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah, I love that. What is your most valuable habit that was hardest to create? Make my bed in the morning? No, no joke. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Um, luckily, I married someone who doesn't do it either, so that helps. No, we really, we'd be to uh, really listen. Um, mm. Really listen to people because, and the Canadian Armed Forces also, we, are, we have a tendency to, to be fast. Okay, we're, we're moving to the next course of action. and we're. But if you take the time to listen to the ideas and and points that people are bringing forward regardless of the rank regardless of who they are uh that that's when you get the great stuff uh really listening mm, that is really important advice thank you for that can you name another woman that inspires you um i would say um uh, maybe because of my my deployment in afghanistan uh malala uh, 
the girl that uh, got shot by the Taliban uh, because she was advocacy for education for women. Mm -hmm. And she also uh, Nobel Prize uh, winner, Peace Prize winner. Mm -hmm. And she graduated from Oxford University in June uh, uh, this year. So yeah. she's uh, a young woman that uh, has done so much in her life. Um, yeah, she, she, she inspires me and she impresses me. Yes, uh, that I love that choice. She, um, my girls are only nine and seven, and from school, but also for conversations that we have at home, they already know who she is. And when you talk about her, they know, you know, it brings up those conversations about education for women and girls in other countries, and even that life for most people is not like what they live in Canada and they're actually in the minority of, of people in terms of what life is actually like. And so I love that you said that because she is so inspiring. Can you tell yes. us about a book that made you wiser? A book that it was a, uh, you had no choice to read it at school. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> The Old Man in the Sea of Hemingway. Um, regardless of the challenge that life brings you, regardless of what happened don't let go of that fish <laughs> uh, that's a good one but it's i don't know it's that book always stuck by me uh and it's a small book easy to read but uh i think it has some great uh life lessons in there thank you well thank you so much for your time today i know there's lots of interesting things that people will learn today that they didn't know and some advice that they can apply to their lives as well and maybe you'll even have some people consider for themselves or their children the canadian armed forces so thank you thank you very much for the opportunity and if you do choose uh it, it's a great career uh i get up every morning happy that uh, i'm going to work with such a great bunch of people and uh if you if you kids decide to do it just go ahead it, it's a great curve thank you so much thank you thanks for listening to women don't do that we hope you're inspired to do whatever it is you think you can't do find all our podcasts and blog content at women don't do that.com and stay connected with us on instagram and twitter if you haven't yet please subscribe rate and review this podcast join us next time